evil. Hi. Priest. Yay. No. <laughs> Emphatically no. Spoilers. <laughs> everybody you are listening to limited play time the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less or the next episode is free i am kyle bolin and i am jason cavallari and today we are bringing you our first impressions of evil high priest a board game recently released at gen con by peterson games yay the designers on this game are credited as sandy peterson and lincoln peterson the same designers is, um, of one of uh, Limited Playtime's uh, most loved games, Cthulhu Wars. Yeah. So we were very excited about trying out Evil High Priest at Gen Con this year in 2018 because it was from them. And we are, you know, like as witnessed on this podcast, very big fans of Cthulhu Wars. So we had very high hopes. We did indeed. We did. Uh, yeah. So uh, this was kind of like a, a thing that I was... I really wanted to play this game because of um, you know the the pedigree. You know, it came from Peterson Games. Um, Sandy Peterson is you know a huge HP Lovecraft fan. Uh, he poured that heavily into projects like Cthulhu Wars, which was a great game. Uh, and so I was really looking forward to trying this game, uh, kind of as like a test run to see if, whether or not it's something that I would actually buy. Yeah, because it was on Kickstarter. It's not super expensive, and, and you had been considering it at the time, but you yeah. had kind of held off in and you know with the intent to try it out when we had an opportunity, which we had, and we did. And so let's talk about it. Evil High Priest is a worker placement game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are one of several cults who has a cult leader and several little cultists who are represented by cultish meeples. Uh, And you take those meeples on each round and you place them on one of, like, what, three different boards, I think, you can actually place them on? Yeah, it starts off with a more limited... Yeah, yeah. There's one board that you can pretty much use from the very beginning, and then there's sort of like a cultist track that also has some spots on it that you can place a cultist on, Um, and that's where the great old one that you're trying to summon is sort of locked in place by these different elder signs. And you're trying to use the worker placement options to get a number of resources that you will then convert into a number of other resources that may be used to remove those elder signs, uh, which are worth points. And then you take them back to your cult layer and put them in either your main chamber or as you upgrade your cult layer, you can put like little smaller chambers in that can be used to hide your treasures, which are basically just your resources. Uh, And some of those chambers, you will also have like traps in to try to protect them from invaders, which are investigators in this game uh, that are triggered by those elder those elder signs being broken on the the summoning tracks well it sort of depends on which so that it doesn't happen every time you break no, an elder sign no only but some it of them pretty frequently it's when they've got the gun icons on them right, that yes. it happens <laughs> which isn't every single one but it's enough that it's a problem yeah um some of the some of the elder sign i don't know spaces have actually pretty decent like beneficial things yeah they have bonuses or other resources yeah. that you get for happening to be the one that activates it yeah. or removes the elder sign which which is already well, worth the most points in the game out of any one thing yeah they're, they're like 10 points a piece right 
um and the the good and the bad are not mutually exclusive either like the the space could have a really good thing but also trigger a raid or two (laughs) right and if you're not prepared for that it can really mess you up yeah it is a kneecapping of the highest order (laughs) (laughs) it really is yeah so uh so the main mechanic is the gathering you know the placing of the the workers and the gathering of the resources um and the resources aren't immediately valuable because they need to be basically transformed into higher order resources um, in order to be able to use them to break the elder signs. So you gather the resources initially and for a little while, at least they'll be sitting in your, uh, in your cult lodge. Every cult lodge is constructed the same way. It's sort of like two rows of, uh, of chambers um, and at the, at the top uh, is your big main chamber, and that's initially where all the resources go when you collect them. Uh, unfortunately, it's also the first place that uh, the investigators will hit when there's a raid. Um, so if they raid and there's like a big stockpile of resources in your main chamber, they're going to confiscate those resources and you're out of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, if you store them in a later chamber, the the investigators will more or less follow along the path and as they go uh, go chamber to chamber uh, they will encounter uh, traps that you may have laid down that will uh, reduce their numbers significantly yeah um, it's, it's basically just like a, an attrition game where they have a certain yeah. value and the values of your traps have values and you just deduct that value of the trap from the value of the investigator team until it reaches zero and then they stop moving through your little corridor of traps and chambers Right. So as you acquire more chambers, the idea is that you would hoard your resources further and further away from the entrance in the hopes that if there's a raid, that the strength of the defenses you put up will uh, wear out the investigators before they reach where you actually store your resources. Yeah, but it's not like you can you always have chambers ready to go to place things in. So there will be times in the game where you happen to have just like, you know, brought a bunch of stuff back and then you didn't notice that the guy two spaces down from you or two spaces two two seats around the table from you happens to have exactly what he needs to take an elder sign and trigger a raid and then all your stuff in your main chamber is just gone and all yep. the things you've been doing for the last half hour to acquire those resources and up convert to those resources all that's just flushed down the toilet yep <laughs> so i forget how you win this game i think you're you have those oh, it's, points it's point at the system. end yeah, yeah yeah so when when the final elder sign is taken off of the track with the elder one the 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 elder one comes to life or whatever and then you tally up points to see i guess which cult happened to be the one that did the best of summoning this guy and yeah. so if cthulhu comes to life he counts up all the different points that you had and then he says you are my winner you are my priest of choice because you had 43 points instead of 41 points and then you are the favored <laughs> cultist of cthulhu yeah and so the points are tallied basically i think from all the resources you've collected so that yeah. the elder signs as we mentioned are the most you know, most magic worth, books worth are worth a, a big chunk i think yeah yeah but money, and as you go down the line they how, get worse yeah there's like money and hearts and stuff like that and they're all worth like a little bit piddly amount of points but it's the elder signs that really make or break whether or not you're going to win this game in the end and all the smaller resources would really only help you edge out another person who happens to have like a similar or exact same number of elder signs collected at the end of the game right yeah um so that's basically how the game works uh kyle what what did you think of this <laughs> Uh, so I wrote down a thought here that I think that I've imagined when this game is satisfying is if you are the kind of person who really 
hasn't really found a euro that you really like um, or not a euro but like a worker placement game that you really like but you happen to be the kind of person that really likes the sort of games where you screw over your neighbors or get screwed over and you just think that's you know like what a riot you know uh, <laughs> what a riot. this is the game where maybe you're going to finally find a worker placement game that you like because you can just completely destroy somebody in one turn and they will never catch up this isn't a game that has catch up mechanics this isn't a game that's very forgiving so the moment you happen to screw somebody over you are you know like stepping on their back and climbing up the mountain and they are stuck down there at the bottom with nobody to step on themselves, uh, you know, like assuming that there's no one else down there, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like this is a very mean game, and if you happen to be the kind of person that likes those very mean games, you might enjoy this. I mean, like, it kind of reminds me of Food Chain Magnate in that way where you can just get, like, this massive ball rolling that once it gets a little bit away from the rest of the people in the pack, there's no catching up at a certain point, right? And that's kind of oh, yeah. how this game felt to us because there were two guys at our table of five that happened to get a pretty good early start, which when you get those early Elder Signs where they don't trigger a raid, it becomes a lot easier to hold on to those Elder Signs and get them packed away in a chamber somewhere where nobody's going to be able to trigger a raid uh, soon enough to take them away from you. But then in the mid to late game, it becomes very easy to lose your resources because so many of those Elder Signs do trigger raids uh, that the guys that got the early start, they just snowballed and they got away with from, with the game. And, and so we were basically screwed from like the mid game on and we were just there to see it out and <laughs> see where the chips fell at the very end and which one of us lost the most. And that would be me because after we played a game for two hours, I walked away with zero points. But, you know... I still didn't have a good time, you know, like I, I also didn't do great, right? I think I had like 10 points in the end, which is, you know, was peanuts. It was like, you know, a quarter of what the guys had that won the game. Um, but I still just, I was frustrated, frequently frustrated. And it, it, it was one of those games where when it comes around to your turn, you're looking at a very limited number of choices to put your workers and take certain resources and, it just kind of feels like you have a lot of turns that just aren't satisfying. A lot of turns where you feel like, well, I guess I'll just take these coins, even though that doesn't help me with the thing I was looking at that I want to get. And, right. you know, you might just end up losing those coins anyway in a turn or two. And yeah. when that happens after a couple of times, you're just like, man, screw this game. I don't really, you know, I'm not having fun. Like, I'm just sitting here shrugging my shoulders like, okay, I guess that happened. I guess I have to live with that now. I accept that this game is going to take things from me, and I'm not going to be able to actually carry out any of the plans that I have in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can be stymied really easily in that uh, not only is it easy to, to lose resources because of the raids, but also because you can only place a worker on one worker on each space. So if somebody took the space that you wanted, you have limited options uh, to be able to do that action this turn. Yeah, I mean, they actually have a mechanic in the game to try to help with that, where if you don't have any spaces that you want, there are two, I don't remember what they called them, they were like gate actions or something like that, where you can put a... I think they're called lurking. Lurking, yeah, lurking. You can put one of your cultists on one of the two lurking spots, and those lurking spots allow you to place one of your cultist meeples on a space that somebody else had already taken, so it does allow you to copy an action that's been taken, but there's only two of those, and so there's also a good chance that you're not going to get one of the lurking spaces if there's five people in a game. So there was a couple times where I used the lurking space and got something that I wanted, uh, but it didn't necessarily make the game better for me, right? I mean, like, there were still plenty of times where I lurked, I got the thing I wanted, and then still lost the resources later on because somebody triggered a raid. With five people at the table, there's going to be raids fairly often, and I'm not always going to have the resources in place to stop the raid from taking the stuff that I have. Um, You know, like... One time you triggered a raid on yourself... (laughs) 
And I didn't realize that I didn't realize <laughs> that the elder sign came back into my chamber before the raid, right? I right. was thinking about the order of operations in a different way and so the guy was like oh you lost that elder sign that you just got because you triggered the raid on yourself and everybody else at the table and it was just like wait really like you don't get to bring the resources back that you just acquired after the raid because that Mm -hmm. seems ridiculous that means that anytime you trigger a raid anytime that you take an elder sign that would trigger a raid you need to make sure that you have acquired a monster because that's the only thing that sits to the left of the main chamber which is where your resources initially go and that's the only thing that would intercept the investigators before they reach that main chamber so as far as i can tell the only way you can protect yourself if you are the one that takes an elder sign that triggers a raid in the mid to late game is to have a monster that exceeds the value of the raid team Mm -hmm. which you don't necessarily know because there's rolling involved with that with dice so like the rolling of the dice uh decides the the value of the raid team and it becomes like a higher and higher value as the game goes on yeah, so it becomes increasingly difficult to have... I think you can have up to maybe two or three monsters. Yeah, I feel like there's maybe three. It becomes increasingly difficult to have uh, a, a strength value of monsters combined that will uh, equal or exceed the strength of the raid. Yeah, so that just really... I don't know. Like it, it, Maybe this is a game that if you've played it a few times, you start to realize that those are the challenges that you've got to set yourself up for. And maybe that becomes a satisfying exercise to go through and to um, find solutions to and then to find ways to undermine other people as they try to set those solutions in place. And if everybody knows that that's the strategy they need to be going for, the game becomes satisfying, perhaps, as you are just trying to execute on that strategy, you know, like ahead of the other people. And I could see that being a fun game for people that are into games that are that competitive and that cutthroat. But Jason and I tend to lean towards the less cutthroat games. Sometimes we enjoy a little bit of cutthroat, but not so much that I feel like it just completely obliterates any player's chance of actually competing in a game from like the early to mid game on. Yeah, I mean, uh, partly I feel like I I like competitive games and I also like games sometimes that have kind of a screw you element to them. The problem that I have with this particular screw you element is that I don't think it's woven into the game mechanics very well. Um, it becomes it, un- of, it was it was unexpected, right? Like yeah, how, I mean, it, how screw it, you it was. It can't sometimes it doesn't even have to be intentional on the part of another player. Yeah, it's just that's sort true. Of a screw you element that is just triggered by something else that the player wanted to do. There was a lot of accidental screw you's at that table. Yeah, there really were. Or screw me's or like what Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I accidentally like, screwed myself. Yeah, right. So <laughs> So I I feel like if you're going to include that kind of element in a game, like you should you know, sort of at least build it into the game in a meaningful way instead of making it seem like a, a haphazard punishment. Yeah, and I think beyond that, I, I just wasn't very engaged with the mechanics of the game every round. It, it just kind of felt like the most generic boilerplate worker placement it felt like bare minimum in terms of game mechanics for the worker placement portion of the game Mm -hmm. and it just didn't feel like i was getting a whole lot out of it that you know made me feel like i was making progress ever even if i wasn't getting rated on that round or the next round or whatever and so there were very few turns where i was like okay i accomplished something and i feel good about this or you know like i carried out a plan and i feel good about that it it just kind of felt like just it just felt like busy work yeah, so a case in point with that kind of stuff. Like, there was an elder sign that I think you needed two spell books to break, mm-hmm. uh, and I was working towards that goal for the better part of two turns. 
um, to get the initial resources that I needed to convert up to a spell book and then to get another spell book through uh, some other mechanic that was there. Uh, it took a lot of effort and resources to get these two spell books. I got them finally. They were sitting in my main chamber and I was just waiting for it to come around to my turn again. And then the person whose turn it was right before me triggered a raid and my spell books were gone. And right there, that was three turns essentially where I was working towards a goal that just got obliterated. Yeah. Uh, because somebody else got to something first. We talked about this game with some people, I think later that night. And when we mentioned that Jason had come out of a game, a two hour game with zero points, the <laughs> first comment that came out of the person's mouth that we said that to is that's a bad game. Like <laughs> if somebody can put that much time into a game and not play poorly necessarily. Right. Like, I don't feel like I was sitting there thinking, Oh, Jason's making dumb choices. You know, like it was like, we were playing the game, right? We were playing the game. We were playing the game as best we could on the turns that we had based on the choices that were available to us. And you still came away with zero points out of that game. Yeah. And, and so like the point that that person was trying to make was just that that's, that's a fault in game design at that point that, mm -hmm. you know, there hasn't been a catch up mechanic, put in place to try to mitigate that sort of an outcome that's a big problem yeah uh, it that was the point at which i i my last shred of hoping that this turned into something i would enjoy like sort of went away <laughs> yeah and you had very high hopes for this game both because of the I peterson did. game uh lineage uh, but also because you're a big cthulhu fan and so this was mm -hmm. a theme that you're very excited about and you you know you tend to adopt any cthulhu game that's halfway good <laughs> yeah it's true i mean i'm a sucker for for things with tentacles yeah, it's um, it's like it kind of seems like you know your your big theme in board gaming is is the the the, the lovecraft mythos right yeah i love yeah. it yeah um so this was a disappointment so so yeah to, to say the least this was a little bit of a disappointment no, and that's to say not to say that um like the thing was entirely bad i mean as a game I, it wasn't fun um and i think that's just it you know like it didn't seem like a bad game like on paper it seems fine but playing it wasn't fun yeah no it wasn't and even you know one of the things that's uh kind of important for me is you know if the game is not great but the way it evokes the theme can sometimes make up for it i didn't even get that really in this um in this particular instance um, yeah you know like the I don't know, like, the, the artwork was there for some of it, you know, it looked sort of Cthulian uh, on yeah, a lot of the, the boards and stuff like that. It's but just... the game mechanics didn't really echo the theme, it was oh. it was a Euro game. Yeah. That's that's what it was. And, and not enough more than that to evoke the theme or elevate it beyond sort of like a, what felt like a generic Euro mechanic game in a lot of ways, right. just with... Yeah just with some ways to really screw people over, which maybe that's where the, maybe that's where the Cthulhu part is, is that, you know, it's mean, which, you know, <laughs> if you're a Cthulhu cult, I suppose you're mean. I so, suppose so, yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe that's exactly where it's at. And maybe we, maybe it's just not for us. You know, I, I kind of yeah. feel like this is maybe one of those games where it's just not for us. It's for a certain type of gamer out there who happens to like being able to min max in this sort of a way. And also at the same time, slit somebody's throat right next to them and then take pleasure in the fact that that person's going to be bleeding out for the next hour and a half <laughs> while they just collect all the elder signs and put them in their closet. <laughs> I, gleefully gathering elder yeah, signs. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that like this, Jason. I just don't think it's for us. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not for us. It could be for a certain type of gamer, but 
but not for for our type <laughs> yeah and the component wise like the components are of a medium quality i guess i would say right like the artwork I mean, is they're, fine they're euroish well i think that the components are below what i expect out of a typical euro game because like the the player boards and stuff like that they were like that thin cardboard that we sort of criticized for cthulhu wars for having yeah i Uh, mean there's they're certainly better than castles of burgundy well yeah but castles of burgundy is like 18 bucks (laughs) well that's true yeah uh, but this game's not expensive either, though. Like, I, I think that, like, it retails for, like, 50 or something like that. And I think I've already seen it listed online for, like, 35 So mm-hmm. I was going to say that, like, component-wise, it's not that high quality. But for the price, it's probably fine, you know? Yeah. Um, it's got some wooden meeples in it. It's got some wooden wooden components. The artwork is fine. Um, I don't think I had a terrible amount of trouble with the colors. So, I mean, that's that's a plus always. Um, and, and it's solid. It, it works solidly, mechanically. It just wasn't fun to us right so i think that you'll know if you know if we've described this game as a cutthroat game with euro mechanics or with you know worker placement mechanics if that sounds appealing to you then i'm not saying don't try this i think that you probably should go out and try this if that sounds like an appealing game to you um but if you're the kind of person that doesn't like having your throat slit and not realizing (laughs) not being able to find any way to recover from that then i would say probably just stay away if you're a person that enjoys having your throat slit yeah, yeah. You know, that's your thing. That floats your boat. Hey, who am I to judge? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this game, Jason? No, I want to stop think, thinking about this. I think game. we've set our piece. You know, I have one other question for you. Would you play this again, given a chance? Oh, I, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> because I I feel like... I feel like I should give it another chance now that I have a better idea of... It's weird. I feel the same way. Yeah, I'm like I, I I feel like I get it now. Like I get what's supposed, what kind of game it is, and yeah. so I should try it with that in mind. On the other hand, every time I think about playing it again, it just doesn't make me happy. It just makes me feel miserable. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. don't want to play it again, but maybe we should play it again, given the chance for science. For science, I guess. Yeah, but also we've got lives to live and other games to play, so this one <laughs> can go to the bottom of the list. I think. <laughs> Okay, if we make our way through every other game on the list. Yeah, then maybe. <laughs> we'll play Evil Eye Priest I'll keep again. an open mind about it. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> In other words, people, don't hold your breath. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so that's our thoughts. That's our rundown. That's our impression of the Evil High Priest game by Peterson Games. Please, by all means, we encourage you to go out and spend a ton of money on Cthulhu Wars. Um, oh, yeah. But... If you'd like to get a hold of us and tell us why we're wrong about Evil High Priest, because I am willing to entertain any sort of argument to the contrary, uh, where would they get a hold of us, Jason? Well, if you want to argue with us about Evil High Priest or anything else for that matter, you can get a hold of us through email, LPT the podcast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. You can tweet us at Limited Playtime, or you can go to our website, limitedplaytime.com, which will reroute you to the amazer.com, which is where we are currently hosted. Mm-hmm. Next week, I think we need to get something. We need to get on a positive note here. We need to talk about something that makes us happy, right? Yeah. So I propose that next week we talk about the Mask of the Red Death. <laughs> yes, that game definitely made us happy. <laughs> it did. We, we 
Spoilers. <laughs> I know. Well, no, they don't have to listen. Yeah, I guess. I, we'll tell you why it made us happy, because the reason why, I, I don't know, like, it, it may surprise you, uh, especially <laughs> given the fact that we just told you that because we lost so badly in this game, we had a bad time, because we kind of lost real badly at the Mask of the Red Death, too. <laughs> but it wasn't a bad time. <laughs> but it was fun. So next week on Sunday, we will be talking about the Mask of the Red Death. Uh, that's a new game by IDW Games, another one that Jason picked up at the Gen Con. Yes, indeed. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in one week. Later. Bye. Thank you.